Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for this wonderful privilege we have to study your word. We trust you that by your spirit, you will teach us. You will help us to understand it. And Lord, go ahead and help us to live in this reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, welcome to the first Bible studies of 2024. Our theme for this year is, 20, is uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In our church, what we try to do is to bring a topic that will focus on and make sure that we do a thorough study on that topic. We know every year is a year of favor, every year is a, we know all of that, but we know that in Christ we've been blessed. So, but we bring this topic and we focus on it and we do, good, do, do justice on it so the Christian is properly informed and properly educated in the things he should know to be able to enjoy all his privileges in Christ, including year of prosperity, year of great favor, year of all of that is in Christ. Every day, every year is a time of favor for you. So that's why we bring this topic. So we're going to focus on the fellowship with the Holy Spirit, working in partnership with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to focus on. And our theme text is 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. <clears throat> so you see, when you learn to walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then all the favors and things will be manifesting for you. You walk in the power of God. It becomes your year of supernatural abundance, your year of great, great, you have, you have whatever those things, it's all your year of all of it. So you see, you enjoy all of it together, bundled up together. But if you don't know how to walk with the Spirit of God, the Spirit that makes these things happen, the Spirit that makes these things happen, you, 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 live, you, you live without. The regardless of what year you declare it to be, you may not experience it. So we're going to focus on today the work of the Holy Spirit within, within you, the work of the Holy Spirit within you. Our text is John 14, 16. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He's not going to go anywhere forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he saith him not. Neither know it in bay, you know him, for he dwelleth with you. Note that, dwelling. He lives with you, among you, and shall be in you. He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. These are very revealing statements that our Lord Jesus Christ is making here. So, we have gone full circle. You know, we've gone from um, focusing on Christ, focusing on the, the world, and now we're back to the Spirit. We've gone to this, um, uh, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit some years back, and the Lord said to me, yes, you've gone full circle. You want, I want you to come back to the Holy Spirit. So now you've learned studying in the world, focusing on grace, salvation. So you come to the Holy Spirit, who will make sense of all of this for you? and make it work. If you learn how to work with him, then all these teachings will begin to come alive and you experience them in reality. That's true. So it, I'm so excited that we are going to focus on this, uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and um, with us. 
So in this a timely team because in these last days, people are making all manner of uh, ungodly things with, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Or people think Holy Spirit is only about power and uh, you know, about what you see. No. Let me say here now, people have abused this, the name of the Holy Spirit so much. So much. All we drink, want to talk of the Holy Spirit, ever think of something uh, spectacular. It's not true. Absolutely not true. A lot of work of the Holy Spirit is not spectacular. It's ordinary, regular. But it's always supernatural. But it's not always spectacular. And that's why people miss him. Because, you know, if he's not spectacular, they think he's not him. And when he's working in our lives, we don't even incorporate most of the time because we are expecting something that is pushing down the chairs and pushing everybody down. And they all, it's not always like that. They can do that, but it's not always like that. Mostly, it's not even always like that. Mostly. When you got saved, did you feel any pushing in? And yet, a great work was done in you. So this is a time for us to even look at this, the work of the Holy Spirit, and so they'll correct ourselves and not be deceived with the massive deception going on in these last days in the name of the Holy Spirit. So, like I said, most of his work is not uh, spectacular, but it's always uh, supernatural. And to neglect the Holy Spirit is like neglecting the Lord Jesus. Because this is his spirit too right here with us. The spirit of God is the same as the spirit of Christ. Because Jesus is God. There's no two Holy Spirit, just one. The same spirit of God, the same spirit of Christ. So you can't neglect him. If you neglect him, you neglect everything that Christ has done. Because he's the one that makes, it, makes sense of it. And he's the one that executes them in reality for everybody that believes it. You know, and it's to neglect the help, the helper that God has sent us, our counselor, our advocate, our guide, our teacher. A lot of people go and be seeking counsel from counselors who are not even Christians. Well, you know, if you walk with the Holy Spirit and seek him, he will give you counsel. He will give you counsel because it's your counselor. And the reason this is happening is because people have not learned to walk in intimacy with him. And receive his counseling even daily from him. So we need to really have interest in uh, these studies. And remember that we can do nothing of our own without him. We can't do anything without him. Zechariah 4 6 said, Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. If we understand this and know this, that it's always by his spirit that things happen, then we would desire to be interested in knowing how to walk in close partnership with the Holy Spirit because he's the one that makes things happen in the kingdom of God. Even our Lord Jesus Christ depended on the spirit of his father. John 5, 30, I am on, I'm able to do nothing from myself. That's what the Lord Jesus said. Independently on my own accord, but only as I am taught by God, as I get his orders, even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I am bid, bidding to decide, as the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. My judgment is not just righteous because I do not seek or consult my own will. You can see a total dependence. Complete dependence. 
somebody who had detached his own wisdom, his own way of doing things, and completely like a, a child depended on the spirit of the living God. That's how a Christian lives his life. The Bible said, in all our ways, acknowledge him. All our ways. We have to learn to depend on him. And how can you really depend on him when you have not consciously realized how important he is to your life? So Jesus said, I, I, Jesus said, I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself. My own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. So I don't have desire to consult my wisdom, consult friends, consult this and consult that. I don't have time for that. I just allow him to be my leader, to be my guide, to be my everything. Then Jesus, you know, like he said in John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come back to you. So when the spirit of God really came back, that was the, the spirit of Christ too. He said, why? He said, because today many receive him as their Lord and Savior. Can you imagine that you receive him in America, people receive him in Africa, people receive him in Asia. If he, was, if he wasn't his spirit, how can people be receiving him all over and it's the same Christ they are receiving? It's not another Christ. It's because he's here now in his spirit. When he was here in his flesh, the book of Hebrews said in the days of his flesh, he couldn't do that. But now he came by his spirit. Now people can receive him. That tells you it's only God that has that attribute of omnipresence. Only God. That tells you that Jesus is God. So one million people can receive him in a place. And why they are receiving here, another hundred thousand is receiving him in another continent. And the same, each of them had that spirit of Christ in no, not half, not one quarter, not, no, no, that fullness of Christ. They have him. So he's here. If, you, if he's not here by his spirit, who are we receiving? We receive, you say receive the life, we receive, we lead you to Christ. We lead you to Christ. So you receive the Lord Jesus. If it's not him, who, what are we telling people? He's here by his spirit. This spirit is him. It's his spirit, it's the spirit of his father. It's the spirit of Christ because Christ said, I came out of my father. It's a mystery. Nobody can understand it. It's like I came out of my father. I'm going back where I, I came out from. I am my father. One. And he was the one that God called God. God himself called him God. That throne, oh God. So we say the spirit of God is the spirit of God, is the spirit of Christ, because Christ is God. So too many can receive him, like I said, Everywhere, it's all over the world. Because it's here by his spirit. It's here by his spirit. And so the spirit within and with you and upon you. Jesus told us that the spirit will walk within us, will work among us, and walk upon us. Each of these has different functions. They're not confused. If it wasn't so, he would have said, okay, the one in you is enough. No. There is reason for all of this. And by the grace of God, we're going to go look into them. So today we're going to look into one positional place of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. In John 14, 17, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he, he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. First, to be in you. The Holy Spirit, according to our Lord Jesus, 
will be within us. He will be in you. In you. Then there is another place the Spirit of God is coming. Acts 1 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's simple English. Positional coming of a working of the Holy Spirit in you, upon you, among you. All of them, we need to learn how to cooperate with him so that we'll experience the benefit of all his ministry in these last days. Because we're really in his ministry in these last days. So the spirit within, the spirit among us, the spirit upon us. So let's look at the spirit within us. When did he come within you as a Christian? When does the, the spirit of God come within you? When does the spirit of Christ come within you? Is it not when you receive Christ that his spirit comes into you? But uh, John 1.12, but as many as received him, still talking of Christ. Remember, you didn't receive him physically. It's a spirit. It's the same spirit of God, the same spirit you receive. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So if you receive him, the him is Christ. And it's not, it's not, it's him, his, his person. His, Paul talks about beholding the wonders of his person. It's him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born again. The day you came to Christ and you became born again, you received the spirit of Christ. You received the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, in you, not upon you, in you. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. See, he calls it the spirit of God. Dwells in you. Now listen to the next line. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, see, it calls him the spirit of God, calls him the spirit of Christ. You received him. The Holy Spirit said, yes, it so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Quit me, the spirit that we receive, the spirit of Christ, is the Holy Spirit that dwells in you, the spirit of the living Christ, the spirit of God. There's only one spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. There's not two. So when Jesus came here, the Bible says he, he became man like us. And he became man because if he wasn't a human being, he couldn't die. And if he wasn't a human being, he couldn't be our sins on our behalf. So that's why he needed now the empowerment from the Father to, to teach us and show us how the church should live by the same empowerment. But when he rose from the dead, he went back to his glory. They locked the door everywhere he came in. Human beings don't come in when you lock all doors. He walked in there, came right in there in their midst. He could disappear from them. Now his role is different from the role upon us and among us. Now let's look at this spirit within us. It gives us revelation of the truth in Christ Jesus. To reveal Christ to you. 1 Corinthians 2.12 Now we have received 
not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, everything that God gave us in Christ. That's what, this, that's what the Holy Spirit does within you. He's in you to give you revelation, to open your eyes, to understand things that are humanly beyond human understanding, to make sense of your salvation. Unfortunately, it is to be regretted that mostly the body of Christ has been led by people who are sense men, people who, who talk out of their senses and not out of revelation. But thank God for those people who still retain the revelation of the Holy Spirit about Christ who are teaching the true gospel of grace. So he says, he's here to show us things that are freely given to us. Where did you receive those things? It's in Christ. The first gift, Christ. Now in Christ comes all things we need for life and godliness that the Holy Spirit reveals to you. Now, 1 John 2, 26. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Remain in fellowship with Christ. Remain in fellowship with his spirit. So he teaches us. He said, you don't need any man to teach you anything. But he himself put teachers in the church. And he told us we should listen to them. So what he's talking about teaching is to give you a revelation. His method of teaching is to give you a revelation of what those teachers are talking to you about. Of what the Bible is saying. It's to open your eyes. It's to make, let you see beyond the veil of man. It's to see the reality of what naturally you can't understand. That's what it does. So the scripture says when you come to Christ, that he starts a walk in you. That's a walk he starts. You didn't start it. You didn't start it. He started this walk in you when you came to Christ. That's a walk he started. And mostly that walk is done in you. Let's read the scripture. Philippians 1 says, being confident of this, that this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you, in you, will perform it until the day of Christ. He began a good work in us. The spirit in us began that good work when you came to Christ. Some, his, he, not you, he began that work, good works in you. So you must understand his ministry in you. It's very important. This good work he began in you, you must understand it so you cooperate with him. It's part of fellowshipping with him. It's not just, you know, so you, you, you see visions. No, 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 no. Those things are important. But this is even more important. Because Jesus died primarily for us to have his life. So he began this good work in us. And like I said, we have so focused on the supernatural that we miss the the regular, I mean, the spectacular, that we miss the regular supernatural, but serious 
job and work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian. And because we don't know that, we don't focus on that, and it's not even in our consciousness what he's doing, we don't cooperate with him. We switch over to religion and we miss it. This good work, he began it. You didn't begin it. You are not doing it. He began it. He began it. He completes it. He does all these things. Began it, completes it. He alone. But you have to know, so you cooperate with him. That's part of fellowshipping with him. That's part of sharing your life with him. Now, let's look at this work within. 2 Corinthians 3, 12. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel could not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away for them. But the people's mind were hardened. And to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth because they don't have the spirit of revelation. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. When you come to Christ, that inability to understand scripture is lifted because the spirit of revelation lives in you. That's why Christ is the light of the world who, who lightens every man that comes into this world. He brings revelation. When he can say, great light has shown in darkness, people who sit in darkness are shadow of death. Because ignorance leads to death. Now, let's continue. For them, but the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds, so they cannot understand the truth. They cannot understand the truth. When we're not cooperating with him, we still can't even understand the truth ourselves. And he told us that we, if you want to be free, you must know the truth. If you continue in my word, then you know the truth. Then he sets you free from all bondages. Year of superabundance. How can you have it when you don't know how to walk in freedom? How can you have it? Year of incredible multiplication. How can you have it when you don't know how to walk in freedom? Isn't it the same thing holding you will hinder you in every way? It says, and this verse 14, the last line, the last line, and this veil, and this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, when you believe in him, when you receive him, he comes into you and begins to reveal to you those things that are freely given to you. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with devil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The blockade is taken away. The, the, the inability to understand is taken away. Because his spirit comes alive. He receives life. You can't see somebody dead. He won't hear anything. He doesn't know nothing. But when he receives Christ, he comes alive. And then the light can shine on him to, to understand by his spirit. 
So whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit. See what I'm saying? He's that spirit. Don't look another way. That same spirit is the Lord himself. And whenever, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, to call the Holy Spirit the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of Christ. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because ignorance will keep you in bondage. Until you know the truth, you are bound. For when you know the truth, then there is freedom. It will set you free. There is freedom. Anywhere we have challenge and we are struggling, it's because we haven't known the truth about that. Simple truth. The day you know the truth about that, thing, that thing ceases to be a, a, a problem for you. So all of us now who have had that very removed, because we come to Christ, we remain alive, we have a spirit in us, who have had that very removed can see now, we can see the truth, the reality of what he's teaching, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. We cannot see, we cannot see. Seeing means the blindness is taken away. You cannot see, you cannot understand, you cannot have revelation, you cannot see. And reflect now the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us see he who began the good work is the Lord that makes us. Is the Lord. Makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You see, the work in us transforms us to be like Jesus. The work in us, he began this work, is to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can reveal Christ to us and reveal the reality of the gospel to us. John 14, 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So he's the only one who can teach you all things. All things means all things. It is revelation about all things. Everything. Marriage, job, everything. All things. It gives you the mind of God on those things you are doing. It gives you revelation. So you see, we can't do without it. This, this topic and teaching is important. Don't let the devil deceive you. If you miss it with the Holy Spirit, I don't, you do, who else will help you? And this is how he teaches us. Luke 24, 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. This is how he teaches us. He makes you understand the love of God, which passes human understanding. He makes you understand the grace of God. He makes you understand what he's doing in you. He makes you understand who you are, what Christ made you to be. These are things he does that are supernatural, but they are not spectacular. But they are very important works that he started to do. He began that good work of revealing you, 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 what Christ accomplished for you on the cross. Only him can reveal. If he didn't come, who know? How would I have known what Jesus did on the cross for us? We would have known that he healed us there. He defeated the devil there. That there we died and our new life, new life is, is given to us because of the death. 
He will reveal to you you are a new creature. And remember, these are not things that are easy to believe. Because nobody, have you ever known anything like that before you came to Christ? That you are after, at this age, you are a new creature. Tell me, new creature. I remember one man giving the testimony that when they told him, somebody said, I'm a Christian. And I said, ah, every American is a Christian. I said, no. He said, I'm born again. He said, what's that? He said, I'm born again. I have a new life. He said, how did you get a new life? Did you go into your mother's womb? Read story. He said, no, I'm born of the spirit. The person he was talking to couldn't make head and tail of it. Could not. Could not. But finally, he gave his life to Christ. He was sharing this testimony. How we need to preach the gospel because there are a lot of people in this country, this country, America, many people in this country, America, don't know what a prayer means. He said he didn't know what prayer means. He didn't know the, what the Bible is. Never heard of Bible, never saw one. He lived in the Bible belt of America, became married adult, never saw a Bible. Didn't know what prayer to pray means. Didn't know. Had no idea. And he said that four generations of his family didn't have any contact with church or anything. In this America where we live. Don't let anybody deceive you. Many people in this country don't know what a church is. Don't know what, have never seen a Bible. Have not. With their eyes, see what? Don't even know the Bible exists in this country. It's John Wimber, late John Wimber. He was sharing this testimony. How he lived his life. God married her children, never saw a Bible, never had a Bible, didn't even know. He said, he said the wife told him that, you know, talking to God is prayer. He said, what is that? Prayer, I've never heard about it. In this America. And he said, I lived in the so-called Bible Belt. Can you imagine what happened in the non-Bible Belt in the country where you and I live? So he opens our understanding to understand these things which otherwise we cannot understand. He's one that makes sense the new creature, makes sense the need of the Bible. He shows you how important the Bible is. He shows you how important the word of God is. He's the one that shows you the, the, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Because the, the things of the kingdom has nothing, no reference in the natural. No reference, nothing. Don't worry about all these scientists going to Mars and wasting their time. Wasting billions of money, just wasting their time. It's, it's, it's what happens when you don't have a revelation of the things, of the spiritual realities of God. That's what happens. So only him, in Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. See what Paul is praying about? In the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know, you may know what is the hope of his calling. Paul haven't said that you will obey God. He's talking about knowledge. He say, God, no, no, no. He's talking about knowledge that transforms you into the image of Christ. That the, the character of Christ which naturally obeys God by nature. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in this sense and what is the exceeding greatness of his power 
to us was who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. To know the mighty power that works in you. See, showing you what Christ brought to you, the privileges you have. That the power in you is greater than anything in the world. So stop being afraid. Stop being afraid of witches and stuff like that. You won't travel to your village because one witch somewhere. So who cares about it? When you know the power that works in you, you stop fearing things that are under your feet. And I want everybody listening to me, please listen to this statement. We are transformed by knowledge, not by laws. We are transformed by knowledge, not by laws, not by do's and don'ts. We are transformed by the revelation of Christ Jesus and what he accomplished for us in Christ. When we embrace those things he accomplished for us, those things transform us into his life. He began this good work of revealing them to us and helping us to understand them so it makes sense to us so we can embrace them. Instead of redoubling effort to be this and be that, you simply embrace what you already finished for you and see it work in your life. Let me say it one more time. We are transformed by knowledge, by knowledge of Christ, not by laws. All these extra laws people create is waste of time. Laws have never transformed anybody into the image of Christ. None. Scripture says if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. They didn't have to die. They can become righteous through the No. There's no law that gives life. You can't be transformed into the image of Christ by laws and laws. But that's what we see happening. More laws and more laws. Then, you know, then because we have all these laws, we don't do Christmas, we don't do these ones, and all those laws, they feel so holy now and so special, which is false sense of holiness. False sense of holiness. Because holiness is the character of God. If you don't have the nature of Christ manifested, how are you holy? If you don't have Christ in you, how are you holy? It's only Christ that manifests through holiness to a human being. For the acts of man by flesh will profit nothing. All of them profit absolutely nothing. Only the spirit produces life. Romans 12.1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. See how God transforms you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's how God transforms each one of us. Because as a man thinking, so he is. Changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In Colossians 3, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. It's renewed in knowledge. Renewed in knowledge. After the image of him that created him. It's through knowledge you are renewed after to become like the, the he that created you. True knowledge. Let me read this in TPT. It says, if you have, you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. 
It's through knowledge, revelation of Christ, that the Holy Spirit started this good work in you, the good work of transforming you into the image of Christ. It is through this that it happens, through knowledge, people. Through knowledge. Church, through knowledge of Christ. Knowledge of Christ. So, we now become epistles written to others by Christ himself. So, it's not about laws. No, no, no. I've talked about laws here. It's going to be epistles now written by Christ himself. Your life becomes something Christ sends to people to see. You become Bible people read. Can you imagine that? Second Corinthians 3, 2. For your very lives are our letters of recommendation now. Permanently engraved in our hearts, recognized and read by everybody. As a result of our ministry, you are, you are living letters written by Christ. Not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not carved onto stone tablets, but on the tablets of tender heart. Christ sends you out for people to see you as letter he writes to them. Men. This is amazing. You say you are written epistles by Christ himself. So people who, who, who are struggling reading the Bible, they see your life. Your life, has, the word has become life in you. The word became life. It's not, it, 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 can, it happens in a Christian. Your life becomes the word. That if people want to see how Christ is, they see you. They see you. Written by the Holy Spirit. And so the scripture said that through us, the knowledge of Christ is, is, is revealed to the whole world. That's what it is all about, people. Knowledge brings you to this situation. He began that good work of revelation in you. 2 Corinthians 4.14. 2.14, sorry. 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now. He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. See what I'm saying? It's not a, a, such a good brother. No, no, no. Do they see Christ? There are a lot of people who are not Christians who are good people. See the flower. Natural flower, artificial flower, they look alike. But the only one that attracts bees is the natural. Because it has the aroma. It has the aroma. This artificial thing, you won't see any bee there. There's, you can live this artificial life coming by your effort, but no, but it won't attract anybody because the aroma of Christ is not there. It's not what Christ is doing, it's you. Somebody, Christ is walking through him, and it will become the aroma of Jesus. People smell Christ, they taste your life, it tastes gracious, it tastes good, it tastes God for his good. They, see, they smell Christ. Aroma. We become the aroma of Jesus. We become, through us, Christ is spreading his knowledge to people. So they come to him. Very important work, people. Very serious job. It's not spectacular, but it's supernatural. The work in us, very important. But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere, like a sweet perfume. See what I mean? 
Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. That's true. Some people see you, they hate you, they don't like you because you are a Christian. You go to many American institutions today, they will see you as a doom of death. He said, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. They run away from you. They won't talk to you. They avoid you. They think you are you're stupid. They think you have lost your mind. You, are, you smell dreadful to them. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task at this? Who can do this on his own? You see, we are not like the many clusters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Look at the example again. Talking about the work within. It's a serious job, people. And we should emphasize it in the body of Christ. It's not just power. You know, with the Holy Spirit, we're talking of power and everybody, everybody dreaming of anointing. So the power, no, no. He will be within you. He will start a work which is complete to transform you into the image of Christ so that you become a witness of Jesus by the power of the Spirit that works in you. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6. So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering he brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. He said you imitated their lives. So. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece. See how they be, what they become? Throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now, the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere. Even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. Your life is a story. Christ has sent them. Go to their family, they're talking about their life, their faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it anymore. Verse 9. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living to God. You see what, what the scripture is saying? They are saying these people have truly turned away from idols. So. They're not saying, oh, they're not giving them personal praise. They're seeing there's something, something, there's, there's something happening in their life that shows there's a shift. There's a shift that they're serving the true God. They connected it. They saw that God is working. God is working in this. They are not, they are not the people of God. Turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. They talk about how you are eagerly waiting for Jesus to come. 
They have to call about how, you know, praising you and praising you and your head is swollen. No. They see the work of Christ. They see what the Spirit of God is doing. They're able to, they say, this is the work of God. You people are expecting Christ to come for real. Man, you really turned away from idols. We can see it. coming of God's son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he's the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Now, the, the, our response to this work of the Holy Spirit, how you, how you cooperate with him, how you share your life with him is simple. It's nothing from God that's complicated. Once it gets complicated, it's not God. It's human beings doing all of this. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Everything about God is not complicated. Because the people that lived it, operated it, were fishermen, people who didn't go to school. You don't have to go to school to, to, to understand what God is doing. You don't have to. Because the revelation comes from the Holy Spirit to your spirit, not to your intellectual, not to your intelligence, to your spirit. So the, the, way we, the way we cooperate with the Holy Spirit and share in this work of within is only by response of faith. Only believe what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. That's all. Then you will see the reality of it. Hebrew 11 says, but without faith now, it is impossible to please him. It's an impossible thing. We can't please him without faith. It's impossible. We can't do that. I don't know how many laws you want to keep there. But without faith, you can't stay pleasing. You can't bring, live the life that pleases him, the life of Christ. Now let's look at this faith and understand some scriptures about faith. It talks about the law of faith. The law of faith. Jesus talks about the law of faith. Only believe and you shall see the glory of God. If you want to see the new life of Christ in you, only believe the testimony the Holy Spirit is giving you that you've been created, you have a new life, the old one is gone. That's all you need to believe. He began the good work. You are not the one. He began it. He completed it. And he's showing you what to believe. Once you believe it, he make it manifest. You are not the one doing it. He make it manifest. That's why we enter into his rest. It's called faith. Cease from all your labor. Just believe. When you believe, he makes it, he brings it to manifestation. That's why he came. Mark 5, 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. You want to see the glory of God here? Only believe, don't be afraid. You want to see this, this child here? Yeah, only believe. That's all you need to do. John eleven forty. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? That's the only way you can see the glory of what God has done in your life, in any area. What God has done, your, your salvation. If you want to see the glory of God, what God has done in Christ, in real life, only believe the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Believe the gospel. Believe the truth. Mark 9, 23. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him, David. You want to live the impossible life, the life beyond natural? Only believe. You see a life that is above 
that are above sin, that sin does not prove. People say, we're all human. No. In Christ Jesus, we're not all human. In Christ Jesus, we're born of the Spirit. We're born of the Spirit. Paul said, the cross separated me from the world. So that's a separation from the world. Because I'm born of the Spirit. I'm a new creature. I'm not of this world. I don't have connection with them. So the law of faith teaches us that whatever we do not believe, we do not see. Whatever we do not believe, we do not see. Whatever we believe, we see. It's a spiritual law. If you don't believe it, all this, you're born again, you're a new creature, you can be saying it in mentality. And if you don't believe them, you won't see the reality. And then the next thing is you start jumping to all these lawish things, law, 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 and then waste your time. What you get only, the Spirit began the good work. The only this believe, who we'll see it? Because you can be giving mental assent to all these things when you don't have a revelation of it. Until the daylight dance into you. How can you produce fruit when the seed hasn't gone into your spirit? And people really don't bother because they don't know what they are missing. They don't know the word of the spirit. That's why this theme is very important. You have to let this word get into your spirit. It becomes a prayer topic for God to open your eyes, to cause this word to enter. If it's important to you, if you want to know it, he will show it to you. But if you have plan B, you think you are good, I'm obeying God, I'm doing this, he will leave you alone. Be doing that. Bring it to God. Let's see if he make you righteous before him. Matthew 9, 29. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. What he's saying, hey, listen, I've touched you now, but what you experience will depend on what you believe. It's not automatic. I've taught you, but it can, it's only going to be to you according to what you believe. Did I touch you? Sure. But you wouldn't experience it unless you believe that this thing has healed you. He then, he touched their eyes saying, you are healed. No, he, said, he touched their eyes and said, hey, according to your faith, let it be to you. I've touched you now. Fine. But your experience will be according to what you believe. It's the law of faith. You can't violate it. The only time you suspend faith is when God is doing something on his own, or on his own volition as God, or just decides to do something regardless of your faith. You just do it. But it's not his normal way of doing things. It's not his normal way. You can live 20 years without experiencing that kind of thing from God. It's not his normal way. It's not his normal will. He does it mostly for people who are, don't know him, are crusades, all these unbelievers and people who are babies. He'll do all stuff like that for them because he loves them. But you that have been hearing the word of God, you won't listen. You won't listen. You still be hoping for one prophet to do something. You are wasting your time. I don't know how many times I can tell you this. It doesn't work like that. To whom much is given, much is expected. Open your eyes, go study, and start listening to Bible studies and start doing it. That's what God expects. 
Then the same thing you are looking for prophet is something you live with daily. It becomes your daily experience. Jesus didn't die for you to be looking for prophet. He died for you to live his life. So you experience the same way he lived, the same way he lived in victory. You live in victory too. I've taught you, but what you experience will depend on what you now believe. That's what Jesus said. So all these things about the testimony of the Holy Spirit is true. But what you experience depends on whether you believe them or not. Look at how Paul's experience changed him by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe. You see? You see? See what he believes? We believe that Christ died for us. We're not saying it for saying's sake. It's true to me. He believed that Christ died for us. We also believe. See what is enumerating he believes. He believed that we have all died to our old life. You can see that he's believing these things. And as he's believing it, the spirit that began the good work of revelation to him began to control his life. Began to control it with the life of Christ. The love of God, the life of Christ began to control him. He wasn't controlled by, you must do this, you don't, no, no. He was being controlled. That's called being led of the spirit. The spirit, of, the love of God began to control his words, his action. The spirit of love, the spirit of Christ was controlling his life. Why? Because he believed the report of the Lord. We are transformed by knowledge, people. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. He said, this is the nature of the new life we have. It doesn't live anymore for itself. Instead, they will live for Christ. That's the new nature. <laughs> the, new, the new life I have, this is what it does. That's what I believe about me. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped Evaluating others from a human point of view, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. We didn't have revelation of him. We did it. How differently we know him now. I pray that you will allow the Spirit of God to give you a true revelation of Christ. How differently we know him now. It's a knowledge, people. Knowledge of Christ. Accurate knowledge of Christ. See, you can't believe grace when you don't know the love of it. You don't know God as love. You'd be thinking that grace is not right. He knows sinners. They have to do something. They don't have to do anything. You won't, you won't believe it because you're like, after the sins they're committed. No. You won't, you won't accept it because to you, it's like it can't be. So you want to adjust it to make it better. You are just to make it better in your own eyes. In your own eyes. Because you don't understand that when God said, I so love the world, that I gave them my son, that bear their sins, that no more counting it, I born it for them. That is true. It's an act of grace. You need to understand. The Spirit of God needs to reveal to you the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, so that you can see that it is something that cannot be of a human being. It will, the writer of amazing grace saw something. John said, what manner of love is this? That I'm being called the child of God? What kind of love is That's revelation, people. If you don't have those revelations, you won't accept all the things that God has for you in Christ. You still want him to pay for them. 
Because you think, you know, you have to qualify. So you have to adjust it and help Christ and help God and say, God, you know, this thing you did is not too good. Let me help you do it better. Seventeen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ now has become a new person. Once you come to Christ, you become a new person. You don't have to do anything. He began that good work. He didn't begin it. He began it. He will complete it. If you cooperate with him. If you know how to share your life by faith. Only. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ? See, he began it. He brought you back to himself. You didn't do nothing. So we, we, like Paul, must believe that we are new creatures like he did and that a new life has begun. All things have gone simply because you came to Christ. Period. You received his spirit. He began that good work in you. Now, doubt and unbelief is evil. That's, it's not even an option for us Christians. We must develop our life to, to, to run away from doubt and unbelief as far as you can. As far, you see the reason people don't make effort to develop their faith? Because they think they're okay. Oh, I'm obeying God. You do nothing like that. Doubt and unbelief, the Holy Spirit called it evil. I want to know what the Holy Spirit warned the church, that Israel did not walk in faith, and therefore the gospel preached to them did not profit them. He said it will be the same thing for the church if we don't learn to walk in faith. It's important. Hebrew 3.12, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and don't believe it. When the Holy Spirit says something like this, that's serious. Make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. We read things like this. Shouldn't we really want to develop our faith? So our, he said, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Evil heart of unbelief. Evil heart. He says, it turns you away from the living God. It doesn't make you have intimacy with the Spirit. Who is working in you? You will quench the work. You will stop the work. You will hinder him. Because two cannot work together except they agree. It's by faith you agree with him. First John 5 10 says, He that believeth in the Son of God had the witness in himself. But he that believeth not God had made him a liar. How can anybody greet these things and still think that it's not important to develop your faith? So if you don't believe in, believe, believe it not God had made him a liar because he believed not the record that God gave of his son. All this testimony that Holy Spirit is giving of his son, we don't have options. We have to believe them. Otherwise, we run this risk of calling God a liar. That's why this Bible says it's an evil heart that can call God a liar. How far can you go with God if you call him a liar? I mean, the reason people don't really make serious effort to develop their faith, they don't know this thing. They think I'm good, I'm a good person. 
It doesn't work like that. All, all our self-righteousness is waste of time. The most dangerous spirit is self-righteous spirit. It destroys people. Destroys people. It keeps, you can't be humble when you're self-righteous. Because you have this sense of entitlement. Even with God. Numbers 14.8. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flowed with milk and honey. Only rebel not here against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land. He say, unbelief is rebellion. God says, I've, I've done this. You say, you haven't done it. It's rebellion. Think of how this Holy Spirit is showing us what unbelief and doubt is. And see why a Christian should be careful to study his scripture and pray himself until revelation is flooding his heart. So he walk in faith. It's not even just so that I'm healed. So that's the way you live your life. The just shall live by faith. That's the way people will live our life. It's disobedience. The New Testament obedience is faith. Unbelief is disobedience to the word of God. Let's read Bible. Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that you were the servant of sin, but you have obeyed now from the heart, that form of doctrine, which was delivered to you. So they obeyed the gospel. The Holy Spirit called it obedience. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 to 9. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God will take vengeance on them who do not obey the gospel. The gospel is not law. He used the word obey. They didn't believe it. The obedience in the New Testament is faith. Faith is acting on what God said. He said, obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So look at 2 Corinthians 9.13. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them. And to all believers, we prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. How many scriptures do you need? Obedient to the good news of Christ. It's believing the good news of Christ. Now let me, let me I said this at the watch now, but it's important. Because if, the reason we're not even pursuing faith, because we don't understand that faith is obedience. If we know that, we will. Hey, Christians will. Because they want to please God. They want to. But because they don't know that, they say, okay, I'm obeying God. And I'm ob you, are, you are doing nothing like that. In your eyes, you think you are. You think you are. How can you give yourself pass mark? The Christian obedience of faith versus the legal obedience. Let me talk about it again. Because it's important in benefiting from the, the work that he began in you so that you experience it all. The Christian obedience of faith versus the legal obedience of the law, which was operating in the Old Testament. The Christian obedience is in the New Testament is a, is a believing obedience. It's obedience of faith. It's believing what God has said. And believing means acting on it and saying the same. Without faith, we cannot obey God. We can't please him. 
Without Christ, we cannot walk in obedience. For without him, we can do nothing. The New Testament obedience relies on faith in Christ Jesus, who supplies us the ability, the strength, the will to do his good pleasure. That is why the just shall live by faith, without which it is impossible to please God, people. This is what distinguishes the gospel obedience from legal obedience of the law. The legal obedience is fueled by a desire to earn merit with God. It is not based on faith in Christ Jesus. And we can do nothing without him, for the law is not of faith. Now let me, the scripture explains this thing very well. Galatians 3 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his cause. See, the legal obedience of the law will leave you under the cause of God. Under his cause. For the scripture says, cause is everyone who does not observe and obey all the, command, all the commands that are written in God's book of law. Has anybody obeyed all of it since creation except Jesus? Has anybody obeyed all the laws of God since, apart from Jesus? Has anybody has anybody, have you? You see, when we think, okay, I'm, I'm obeying God, it's a self-deceit because you have, you have not obeyed all the laws. You have not. Verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by, keep, by trying to keep the law because nobody has obeyed all of it. For the scripture says it is through faith, obedience of faith, not obedience, the obedience of law. Nobody has done it. It's through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law. Obedience of faith. Obedience of the New Testament. It's very different from the way of law, which says, it is through obeying the law that a person has life. So I'm going to obey the whole law, listen, and have life. It's not possible. But when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have life. It's so different. Until faith came, they were under the law. I want to explain this so we have a desire to develop our faith. Once we understand that the way to walk with God is through faith. Obedience to God today is faith. We rush, we are, people will run to it. But because we're satisfied, I'm not committing adultery after all. Do you obey all the laws of God? No. Until faith came, they were under the law. When Christ came, who is the author and finisher of our faith, the way of living by faith in him was introduced. Look at Galatians 3.23. Before the word of faith in Christ was available to us, which means there was a time it wasn't because Jesus wasn't even here. So before the word of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the word of faith was revealed. The way, when Christ came, who is the author and finisher of faith, the word of faith was introduced because now by faith in Christ, you have life. 
By faith in Christ, you have access to the power of God. By faith in Christ, you have access to God. By faith in Christ, you have a new life. By faith in Christ, you become, you become what you wouldn't have been. So when the, when the law of faith in Christ was introduced, when Christ came, the obedience of the law died. Stop. The Bible said that, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. When Christ came, introduced this way of faith, the way of obeying the law stopped because it couldn't work. Nobody obeyed all of it. So now in Christ, because of grace, we obtain life, obtain new life. All life is gone. We obtain the spirit of God living in us. Who started this good work, changing us to become like Christ? You have the power of Christ that through this power of Christ, we can put to death the works of the devil and the work of the flesh. We have the guidance of the spirit. And we walk in union with God all the time because Christ is our righteousness. And we go from glory to glory. He makes us better. That's what the law of faith in Christ does. If a Christian knows that, he will, he will focus on developing his faith in Christ. So he goes from glory to glory and glory to glory. And all things are possible only to them that believe. And you can't have victory over sin without faith. It's not possible. Let me read it. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, but you are, for you are not under the law. Because if you walk by the law, sin will have dominion over you. Because nobody has obeyed it all. Sin will have dominion over you. But under grace, why? Because under grace, you have a new life. The power of sin over you is destroyed on the cross. So sin does have dominion over you. Romans 8, 13. For if we live after the flesh, you shall surely die. But if you, through the Spirit... Do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. You don't have access to the power of the Spirit unless you begin to walk in faith in Christ. And through that power, you can put your flesh under control. Not by your will, will and all the time. No, he can go this way. If the devil puts more pressure on you, you crack. Especially where nobody sees you, you crack. Praise the Lord. And so the scripture teaches us that, I think I'll stop here, so that, um, let me read about Paul, Galatians 2.19. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me, so I died to the law. I stopped, I stopped trying to meet all his requirements. Why? So that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. See, he goes back to the testimony of what the Spirit of God revealed to him. The word of faith in Christ. Accepting what grace produced, gives you. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make me right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. This ought to be simple for every Christian to understand it. And then the way we serve God today I need to read that. Romans 7 says, But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God. How? Not in the old way of obeying the letters of the law. It's gone. The legal obedience of the law is finished. That's not how you serve God, because you can't obey it all. You cannot. So how do you serve God? 
not by obeying the letters of the but in the new way of living in the spirit, depending on the work of the spirit, living the spirit life, the new life of Christ. Quit the spirit of Christ said, I began this work, I made you a new creature, I am transforming you into that image of Christ, to the character of Christ, so the world can see you and see the knowledge of Christ and see Christ in you. And through that way, they can have a fragrance of Christ. No man can do this on his own. That's why you have to walk by faith. You have to develop your faith. If you want to experience the reality of the work of the Spirit of Christ in you, you have to develop and train yourself, make effort to believe the testimonies of the Holy Spirit about it. Even if you don't understand it, simply believe it. If you keep believing it, it will make sense at that point. So that's how you begin to walk in in intimacy with the Holy Spirit regarding the work within you. Regarding the work within you. Praise the Lord. Okay, now I'm going to teach about healing. Let me teach us about healing. Again, we go back to what our Lord Jesus said. I have touched you. But your experience will depend on if you believe me or believe your feelings or anything else. I've touched you. I've given you a new life. I've healed you. I've borne your sicknesses. But your experience will depend on what you believe. Let me read it again. Matthew 9, 29. Then touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your, according to your faith, be it unto you. They have touched. He has touched. He has brought the healing. He has touched us. He has healed us. He lives in you. His spirit is joined to you. What greater what, touching and his spirit joining to you? Which one is more powerful? He lives in you. Touching and his spirit living in you. Which one is more powerful? Which one should give you, has provided you greater power for healing? The one living in you or touching. But your experience will depend on what you believe about it. Believe the feelings you have. Believe the reports of people and don't believe that he has healed me. His power has brought me healing. That's what he's saying. It shall be to you according to what you now believe. But I've done the job. I've touched you. I live in you. I'm joined to your spirit. We become one life, not two. Braden, one life. As your head is joined to your body, become one physical life. So Christ is joined to your spirit, become one new creature, one life. Christ being the head. Think about it. If touch can provide healing, joining with your spirit will provide greater power. Greater power, people. Greater power. Greater power. So here is the relevant question. Isaiah 53, who had believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? See, once we believe what he's done, what he said, not what he's going to do, don't put your faith in the future. No, don't put your faith in the future. Don't do that. Faith is what is done already. It's what is done already. We're talking about a finished work. Finished work. Not what, what he will do is hope. What he has done is faith. I think God leads me, I'll take time and teach on faith again. Because it's critical to walk in intimacy with the Spirit of God. 
two can walk together except they agree. Who had believed our report? What report did God give you? What report? Do you know the report? Here is the report. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely, friends, this is God talking through the mouth of Isaiah the prophet. This is God talking through the mouth of Isaiah the prophet. The word that can't change. The word that cannot change. Circumstances do not change it. It doesn't change because you are not experiencing it in the hospital. No, no. It cannot change. It's infallible. It's completely infallible. Nobody can make it a lie. Nobody can make it a lie. Because the God who is impossible to lie has said it. Through the mouth of this prophet Isaiah. Nobody can. This is what God is telling you. Telling me. Surely. What is surely? Surely it's of certainty. Your sicknesses, Jesus bore it. And your pains, Jesus carried them. What else will God say? I've touched you. I've borne it. I've carried it. But it shall be to you according to what you believe. If you believe that God is God, then say amen. Say amen to that. Oh, pastor, I don't understand it. You don't have to. You don't have to. You can simply believe it. You don't have to. You don't have to. Just say amen and say, yeah, I don't understand, but I believe you why God said so. And we have esteemed him plagued. We have seen him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted. See what Jesus passed through. He was plagued. He was smitten of God. God himself did this and afflicted. He is pierced. He was pierced for our transgressions. He paid for our sins, people. Do you know the whole, the whole re, re, prayers I saw in the New Testament? There was no place they started with begging God to forgive their sins. There was no one place. No one place. No, I've been searching. Please, if you find, I'd like to see. No one prayer. Not one. What gave them the confidence? Because you your sin on Christ. Christ is your righteousness. You come here trusting in the blood. They will go trusting. They believed, simply believed God. And again, because they, they, when they committed sin, they'll confess it to God and God will forgive them right there and then. They don't have to keep it and they go to church to pray. They didn't have to keep it. They dealt with it on the spot, on the spot, on the spot. They don't have to keep it. They confessed their sin right there and then and so, sorted it out. And God said, yes, I'm just and righteous. I forgive you, cleanse you. And God will do what he said. So they didn't have to come and begin to repeat it again. Oh, God, forgive me for yesterday. That's evil heart of unbelief. Those people believed this gospel, believed in the mercy of God. The Bible says, they say, we know the love of God. We have come to know and believe the love of God for us. And if you don't, have to, if you don't believe the grace and mercy of God, you will not believe that, that God healed you. You'll be thinking, I don't qualify. Did you see in all the life of Jesus, anybody that came to be healed, 
He didn't even ask them questions. He will heal them. He will heal them. He didn't withhold healing. He healed them. Even the Gentile woman that came, he said, but this is for the children, for Israel. He said, yeah, crumbs. He said, okay, you get it too. If that woman could get it, why shouldn't I, now being a child of God, for whom that bread is for me, why is it not my portion? He's pierced for our transgressions, people. He was pierced for your transgression, for my transgression. Bruised for my iniquity. Jesus paid for our sins. Friends, if you commit sin, confess it, God will forgive you right there and then, and you move on. You move on and continue in fellowship. You continue in fellowship. The grace is greater than the sin of the world. And it's the same grace that will pull you out of that thing and teach you how to walk in victory over it. Bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace on him, and by his bruise, there's healing to us. By his stripes, we've been healed. God afflicted. Look, afflicted him. He was afflicted. He was bruised. He was plagued. He was smitten. He was afflicted. He was bruised. He was pierced. Five things. Why? So that we'll be free. So we'll be healed. So that our body will be free. Jesus says, see, I've done all these things for you. It shall be to you now according to your faith. He said, all of us, verse 6, all of us like sheep have wandered, each to his own way we have turned. And Jehovah had caused to meet on him the punishment of us all. He's born the punishment for your sins. He did. He already did. Not going to. God made him to be seen for you. So you become righteousness of God. He said, when he died, Oh, I don't merit it. Yes. Called grace. It's the love you don't understand. No human being can do this. Only the love of God can do this. That's why I say if you don't have revelation of his love and this, you'll be around away from what he died to pay for you to have. You'll be running away. I'll be complaining and murmuring. I've been doing more things to pay him to earn his. How do you earn favor? You be, uh, the devil will give you more things you'll be doing so that God will, f- 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 so that God will look your way. <laughs> when all these things are yours already, freely given, the Spirit is here to show you the things that are freely given to you. Freely given. F-R-E-E. Freely given. At no cost to you. Only believe. So that's all God wants from us. Enter your rest. Seize for your, your labor. You're done. Just believe and see the work I've begun to do in you. I will finish it. All of us like sheep have wandered each to his own way. 
We have turned, and Jehovah has caused to meet on him the punishment of us all. Verse 10. And Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. God was delighted to bruise Jesus. Not because he hated him, but because he wants you well. He had made him sick. God made him sick. That's Bible. God made him sick. If you so don't make an offering for guilt, he said seed, he prolonged days, and the pleasure of Jehovah in his hand don't prosper. What's the pleasure? God said, I made him sick so he'll be free. I made him sick. I afflicted him. I've done this. But it shall be to you according to your faith. I've done it. But who believes this thing that is for him? I'm not talking about mental accent, no. That's why you got to meditate on this thing until it sinks it. When it sinks into you, you don't need to ask Pastor what I be. When faith comes, you don't, you don't, you won't have to. You, you will know it that this is true. You will wake up midnight dancing all over the place. You, you know it. You walk away from that thing. Once faith comes, you don't need any, you don't need to ask. You will, you will do what you've never done before. You won't even think twice. So that's why it's important to meditate, meditate morning after night, confess it. Look, if you say it long enough, you start believing it. Because something is competing. The pain is competing. The reality of what you are seeing is competing with you. It's talking to you too. So you need to up your game to overcome it. Pay close attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying through the mouth of prophet Isaiah. And then what he said through the mouth of King David, who was a prophet also. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. God is begging us. Don't forget your benefits. It's like you walk somewhere. They say, come and collect your benefits. And you don't want to. You think you don't merit it. They say, no, it's your benefit. This is your retirement benefit. This is your salary. The benefit you have, you go on vacation, you are paid so so. It's called benefit. What you benefited that Christ died for you. Number one, who forgives all your iniquities? See what I'm saying? When you don't believe he has forgiven, he forgives your iniquities. You'll be talking, he's seen in the morning, say, how can you ever have faith? When the devil will use guilt to, to keep you in bondage. Because you won't believe that he forgives your sins. You will, not be, you will never have a sense of forgiving person. The freedom of forgiveness. You won't have it. Because you're still trying to clean yourself up and make yourself better. You will not succeed. And as you are doing those things, you're, you're tying yourself more and more with guilt. And the, the enemy will use condemnation to kill your faith. Destroy it. And then you think, it's not by crying that God will listen to you. It's belief, only belief. It's not cry, cry, no, no, belief. Who heals your all your diseases? Not so. We just read it. Jesus carried them. Your sicknesses, your pain. He heals all your diseases, all of them. Who redeems your life from destruction? Why? 
He translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom you have redemption and forgiveness of, forgiveness of sin. You have it. Enter into the freedom. David called of the joy of those whose sins are forgiven. If you don't believe in forgiveness of sins, you will not enter into that freedom of those whose sins are forgiven. Upon who God does not put, uh, uh, put iniquity. You won't enter into it. How else will God give it to you? By, by you? by you being perfect, you will never be, you are not. He gave it to you on account of what Jesus did on the cross. It's called grace, or merited. It's this goodness of God that will reveal God to you and, and, and bring you repent, really genuine repent. When we come to the realization of the reality of God, you repent in a hurry. You, you, you repent quickly in a hurry. Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the egos? Meditate on these things day and night. Say so. Confess them. Because there's a battle over your life. You've got to fight. It's called the fight of faith. You've got to do that. Guard your heart with all diligence. Don't let anything that's not this world go in there and settle. Listen. If you are fearful, it's because you are listening to the devil. You are listening to the wrong thing. You don't have to ask questions. If you are fearful, you are definitely listening to the devil. You are listening to the devil. If you are, if you are full of faith, you are listening to the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing God. Fear comes by hearing the devil. Once you begin to have fear, you are hearing the wrong thing. Switch your television to the television of God. Switch your radio Switch, flip it. Say, let me hear God. Turn into the scripture and begin to meditate and begin to say it. God, there's no, there's no time to be nice, my friend. You want to leave. There's nothing nice about this. Say it all over the place. Get your bedroom. Say it, say it, say it, and say, no, 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 I'm not listening to you, devil. Say it and fight. Fight and fight and fight and win. God already called you a winner. You sing it in church. Do it now. You can't win by sitting in the chair, crossing your leg, and watching television, and watching movies. You don't, you don't win. There's no victory in the, That's why the fear will come, because they will show you things that frighten you. The devil is wicked. They will show you somebody that died of that disease in that movie you're watching. So we need to switch our ear. And again, this is what you have to do yourself. Whose report will you believe? But you need to hear the report. And hear it constantly. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it morning, afternoon, night. Say so, say so. Confess it, repeat it, say it over and over and over and over. And like I said, once you start saying it, at a point you start believing it. Even if you don't understand it, at a point you start believing it. And once you start believing, once your faith cues in, oh man, you see yourself, nobody will push you. You start doing things you were not doing before. And you see that thing begin to pull, pull, pull. Because faith is your victory. Faith is your victory. Faith is, faith is that very, it's your victory. And then you build that shield of faith, it quenches every doubt of the devil, no matter what sickness it is. 
Jesus said, your faith made you whole. Your faith will bring that healing. Make it work and manifest. Again, shall be to you according to your faith. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you for what you shared with us again today about the work of the Holy Spirit within us and how only by faith we can appropriate these things, activate them, and see them work in our lives. And again, healing the same thing. Because again, it's the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word. I trust you, trust all this teaching into your hand. Only you, Lord, can make it work. No man can give revelation, only you. And I trust you because you want us to know, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Open our eyes. Help us to see it. Help us understand it. And to obey in obedience by acting on it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.